Kelly Dole is one of the owners of the New Growler Guys in Northeast Seattle. With over 60 beer taps, seven non-alcoholic taps, fresh-made pizzas, and rotating food trucks, it's quickly becoming a local favorite. As Seattle continues to grow, many businesses and families are finding affordable refuge in Northeast Seattle. The area is starving for quality neighborhood hangouts, and Growler Guys provides just that. They recently opened up shop in the iconic mid-century building designed by Roland Terry, which was home to Ying's Drive-In for over 40 years. Join us as we talk beer, architecture, and Northeast Seattle with Kelly Dole of Growler Guys. Welcome to Rise Seattle Podcast, a podcast about Seattle, the people, their stories, and Seattle's future. Here's your hosts, Phil Greeley and Tyler Davis-Jones. Welcome to the Rise Seattle Podcast. I am Phil Greeley. And I'm Tyler Davis-Jones. And today we are here with Kelly Dole, the owner of Growler Guys on Lake City Way in 85th. It's a new uh, beer tasting, beer taproom establishment. And so, Kelly, thank you for being with us. Uh, It's my pleasure. So we're going to get into Growler Guys. You have an amazing building that's housing Growler Guys, and and we also want to talk beer as well. But first, just tell us how you got here, how long you've been in Seattle. Um, how did you get to Seattle, basically? And okay. what neighborhood do you call home? Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I live uh, here in northeast Seattle for the last 22 years and uh, just recently have lived here long enough to be able to say I'm from Seattle. Yeah, I think that, it took that long. Yeah. You know? 22 yeah. is official, yes. Right. People say, you know, like, where are you from? I'm like, uh, well, I'm, I actually moved here from Japan, you know, and I have this weird kind of backstory, I suppose, but I... Uh, but yeah, I'm a, I guess I'm a Seattleite now, finally. Perfect. And, and this, uh, and it's nice to have opened a place really in my own neighborhood. Okay. And I didn't think that was actually going to happen when I first went down this craft beer uh, tap house road. So yeah. the uh, so yeah, I'm a Northeast Seattleite with a beer place in Northeast Seattle. What could be better? <laughs> Absolutely. So have you always been in the craft beer scene? Uh, no, no. My background is actually in the entertainment and film business and, and also in the snowboard, snowboard ski, surf industry. Oh, so, okay. So we do need to go snowboarding is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we do. Sweet. Yeah. So it's like, uh, yeah, kind of from one bro bra industry to yeah. the other. That's what we used to call the action sports industry. You know, a lot of, you know, it's pretty casual and people, yeah. you know, people, you know, I guess. Shredding the gnar, you know, just doing their thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I say, I still get up there and, uh. If the snow's good, for okay. Sure. So what's what's your mountain of choice? Uh, usually Stevens. Stevens. I mean yeah. Stevens. I've you know known the people running that for a while, and so they've always cut me a square deal and, yeah. and vice versa. But I'd say Mount Baker is maybe my probably my favorite mountain. It's just a little more of a, a commitment Hike up there. Yeah, just yeah. to get there. It's all day. That's yeah. usually an overnighter. Yeah. You know, so you can make get two days out of it. Yeah, so. for sure. Okay, so you recently opened Growler, guys. Uh, it's on Lake City, kind of in between Maple Leaf, Ravenna, Wedgwood, technically in Wedgwood uh, from previous conversations that you had told me. Um, what led you to open the store in Northeast Seattle? Apparently it is your, your neighborhood. Um, and uh, what is it that Growler Guys offers the community? Okay, so uh, first I looked a long time in Seattle. You know, con- you know commercial real estate is like a blood sport right now in right. Seattle. So I looked at places downtown and uh, Fremont and other uh, locations, Magnolia. I mean, I was really all over the place looking for something real special. And, uh, and so, um, and I looked in this, you know, Northeast Seattle a little, but not as much. And, 
and uh, ultimately my real estate agent kind of, he sort of understood that I was looking for something pretty special, not just a place. And uh, at one point, he, uh, we were really close to signing a deal on another place, and he said, you know, there's this one place that's coming up. It's, it's a really weird building. It's this Chinese place. I said, Ying's driving? And he said, yeah. And I just said, I want it. I, yeah. already, I already knew the building. I used to stop at it when I was out looking for other places to lease and have, I'd get their burger and fries usually. And, <laughs> wow. uh, uh, and then I'd, I'd stood around and look at it and went, wow, this is a really unusual and special building. Mm-hmm. I didn't know much more about it than that. Um, and uh, so, yeah, when he said it, I, he didn't have to say the name. I immediately uh, knew it and That's so thought cool. it was a perfect place. What, uh, what was the other place you were looking at? Um, well, I was uh, looking in, uh, on uh, Stoneway, uh, you know, uh, close to the, in the Wallingford neighborhood. Yeah. And that's a good, that's a good kind of gateway right. street to, to Fremont. Totally. And, yeah. Well, and that's uh, developing. You've got Mirror over there, Evo over there. Right. So kind of that lifestyle culture. Uh, Brooks running. I know their headquarters is over there. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, and this was a little further north than that, but yeah. still like uh, locations there and uh, an- another place on, in Wallingford. There was other great locations, but now that I've opened this place and I've actually recently driven past several of those, mm-hmm. I'm so glad that this is yeah. where I'm opened up. Yeah, actually. that's great. So let's talk about the building a little bit okay. more. Um, for our listeners, if you can picture yourself driving north, northeast on Lake City Way, you can probably, um, if you've been around Seattle a while, you remember the Yings Drive-In. And if you don't remember it, we'll have pictures up on our show notes for you at, at our website, riseseattlepodcast.com. But um, it's a kind of this iconic mid-century building that seems like it's been there forever. So once you once you got it, just tell us the backstory of, of maybe the building and then what you've done to to give it a facelift for your establishment. Oh, thanks. Yeah, thanks. And uh, thanks for calling it iconic. I think it I is. I think so. I mean... Yeah, it is. Yeah, the place is sort of a... It, uh, well, first of all, the architect is Roland Terry. Okay. Roland Terry is maybe Seattle's most famous architect or right there in like the top three. And uh, he's best known for designing Candlest Restaurant, but also he's had a direct hand in uh, the Nordstrom's downtown. Um, this was like during the 60s, 70s, and, and he's passed away for many years now, but he's uh, uh, the Sun Mountain Lodge. Um, if you own a Roland Terry home, it's like worth an extra million kind of thing. Wow. And, uh, and so my adventure with this place, since I had been looking all over for, for places to lease, you know, one of the steps you make is you go to the Department of Planning and Development. You get, um, this is before... At least it's the way I was doing it. Before you lease a place, you can find the address. You're looking at, like, the building. It tells you how big it is and how it's changed. And this place uh, only had two documents in there. And usually, for especially an old building, there'll be a stack, like an inch thick, of drawings and permitted changes over the years. This place only had two pages, and they were both, like, works of art. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were uh, they stopped me in my tracks. And... Uh, I'm not an architect or a designer, but when I saw those, I just knew that one of these guys' names on this must be famous. And mm-hmm. I didn't know who Roland Terry was at that time, actually. I said Terry and more. I'm like, one of these guys must be somebody big. And and it was, uh, and Roland, this particular building had fallen off Roland Terry's list of registered places, which is a big deal for famous architects. And uh, although the drawings themselves were already in the 
University of Washington um, special collections area where you put on your white gloves and they bring the drawings out, yeah. you know, so they're, so there, but they, they hadn't, it was designed as a place called Club 19, not Ying's Drive-In. And I guess uh, the UW um, librarians for the uh, architectural school hadn't kind of put it together or somehow it just slipped past. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, that made it um, kind of exciting. And, and I kind of knew but there was something a diamond in the rough, so to speak. Pretty much, and uh, you know, and like I said, I'm not an expert at it. But and then, but the key thing is that there had been no permitted changes, or actually just one permitted change since Roland Terry designed the place, and that was wow. only uh, six years after it was built. And they did a great job. It looks like it's part of the original architecture. What year was it built again? It was built in '61. '61. So and. Unchanged and untouched, basically, since 61? Uh, so the, the permitted change was the little front, the area in front, which was enclosed, and that, that happened in 68. Okay. Yeah, 67 or 68. Gotcha. Okay. So besides that, no changes. And then, so it's really kind of like a, a untarnished uh, Roland Terry commercial yeah. building, maybe the, the only one. That's uh, great. And so, so anyway, that's, that's kind of, uh, that's sort of, Part of what got my creative juices flowing, even right. though I'm not yeah. an architecture, not yeah. a builder, it, was, it really appealed to me. Definitely. Well, it shows too. So, what what was the state of the building when you got it? Well, it was nice that it wasn't changed, and it was nice that it was. You know, he he um, he was such a prominent architect at that time. If you hired him, you pretty much had to do what he said. I think, mm -hmm. and so they built they built the place out of really high quality materials. Mm -hmm. So. In some ways, it was in surprisingly great shape. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, the in other ways, I mean, it had you know it had it was kind of neglected, you know. Yeah. The, like for example, the wood ceilings. It was hard to tell if it was even wood or not oh, until we started cleaning it. Okay. And all it needed was just to be cleaned. There was a lot of things that I think hadn't been uh, cleaned so much mm -hmm. and. When you spoke to commercial real estate just being kind of a bloodbath in Seattle, uh, which we definitely experienced, but were people waiting to scrape it? Were they, you know, was this something that uh, developers were really trying to get their hands on? Or was that kind of a fight for you to push to continue to, to sign a lease in that space? Uh, lucky for me, the, uh, the place never really officially came on the market. Nice. And that was... Uh, if so, I'm not sure that I would have been able to beat out everybody who yeah. who was interested in the space. But I do know that, uh, uh, from what I hear, McDonald's was interested in it at one time. Glad that uh, didn't Maybe Panera Bread, I think, yeah. and some other people who um, I'm, uh, would have for sure scraped it and built something new. Yeah. And uh, so it was, but, you know, uh, yeah, I feel lucky. Totally. That's great. So Growler guys, it when Tyler and I visited, I feel like the building, especially in that location, plays well to what you what you guys do and what you offer for your customers. Not that it couldn't work in another building, but it's just fun a fun experience. So let's dig into Growler guys a bit. What is what when someone shows up to Growler guys, what can they plan on experiencing? Ah, okay. Well, that's something that's kind of that, that I take you know some pride in, I guess. Enjoy. It's a uh, well first. They uh, they'll be taste. They'll be getting a lot of free beer, <laughs> a lot of free taste. Free beer's good. Free beer's good. Yeah, free beer's better. Than, you know, if you like beer, free beer's even you know something like even, even better. So <laughs> it's true. 
So, um, and I would say even if you're, even if you love beer, you know, without doubt, you'll be trying some beer uh, and maybe even beer styles that you've never had before. Or mm. um, So there'll be, uh, so we give a lot of tastes of beer. So if you come in for an IPA, for sure, we have a lot of options for IPAs and Imperial IPAs, but we may push a, a different style of beer on you uh, as well. Just and, to try. Yeah, yeah, just to try. Yeah, maybe you, maybe you, uh, you know, a milk stout or maybe mm-hmm. a sour. And you know, people who are pretty convinced they don't like a sour beer, it's nice to give them a taste of a couple and yeah. go, oh, that's a sour or yeah. a saison or a wit or a golden ale, something in between. Right. So for a little context, how many taps do you normally have? going at any point? Uh, we have 60 taps. 60 taps, okay. And then we have about another uh, approximately 300 beers and ciders in the bottle, in our bottle shop. That's great. So we're not exactly land of a thousand beers. I sometimes say we're land of half a thousand beers. <laughs> half a thousand beers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So. yeah, that's great. Well, and it seems like uh, the time that Phil and I have spent there too, um, the conversation, uh, it's, it's a tasting experience, right? Uh, we had a lot of conversation about um, the texture, the tones, uh, the different types of tastes, and it really, um, it wasn't, oh, that sounds overwhelming, right? I think from, from a, if you're standing outside of that, but it was incredibly inviting. Uh, it was very friendly, and again, it was free beer, so who's going to turn down a free taste of beer? So you've done a really good job, I think, with your staff in trying to shape them into, into this warm, inviting, friendly um, encouraging group of people. Yeah, if you're a beer geek, yeah. you're going to be able to geek out all day long. And if you just right. like a beer, right, and you don't know anything else about, you just want a cold, fizzy beer, you know, you can show up there too and and uh, and really enjoy yourself and, and learn something. Yeah. So, oh, good. Well, I'm yeah. glad I felt that way because uh, I, you know, when I first went down this path of opening a beer place, you know, I thought, you know, naturally there's sort of like a just a visual language for a beer place, right? Mm-hmm. Thick wood table with a live edge and, you know, heavy stools and some, you know, like mm-hmm. a steampunk industrial kind of looking thing. But instead, we have, I guess, for a beer place, a pretty refined yeah. architectural look. Right. And I didn't want that. I didn't want to open a pretentious beer place. Mm-hmm. I'm not a pretentious person. I, you know, I didn't want to... The beer itself, usually, if you're a beer, if you're a beer, you know, beer geek or a beer snob, you know, yeah. you really love beer and you like it served a certain way in a certain type of glassware and mm-hmm. and temperature. We satisfy that person for sure, and that's important to us. But even more important, I think, is for people who just like beer, or for that matter, if it's just a nice place in their neighborhood, that they don't feel overwhelmed and mm-hmm. it's uh, and that the staff is a big part of that, yeah. just being friendly and open and and uh, casual. Right. So let's, let's run with that for a little bit. So let's say I'm a casual beer drinker. Um, I come in for the first time. What's like your standard, I'm going to give you this to taste and then I'm going to take you down a little bit of a journey. What what would that be? Uh, well, each of my staff might do it a little different, Okay. but I I have a way to do it. Okay. Yeah. I want to hear it. And a lot of times people, you we can tell when someone's in there for the first time because they, you know, they're kind of looking, Eyes they're not wide. sure, they're not sure where to go. Cause there's not really, well, you guys have been there, but it, you know, it has a big long bar that mm-hmm. has four sides total, but you know, anyway, you're not sure where to go. If there's a line, for example, if, uh, and so, uh, I usually will start them with, uh, with a, uh, like a blonde ale. Like even if they say they are usually drinking IPA, mm-hmm. I will give them Usually, if we have it on tap, blonde bombshell from Cascade Lakes or another blonde, 
And it's, I call it a breakfast beer, usually. It's lower alcohol content compared to most of what we have. It's just like a good starter. It's just a little one-ounce taste, but yeah. I'll usually start there. And it's a great beer, but it's almost a little sweet, mm. low alcohol content. It's a great, great beer to fill a growler with. But, so I usually start there and then kind of uh, try to start and kind of ramp up. You don't want to start with something dark and heavy. Mm. Uh, even if they're there to get a stout or a porter or a barrel-aged thing, I'll try to at least give them a first taste or two to yeah. kind of work their way up. Yeah, that's great. And then uh, along those lines, if they're changing styles, we'll, uh, we have uh, sugar water there, so I have it like to clean your palate. Oh, cool. In between, uh, you know, if you start having one after the next... You get fuzzy tongue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you need to, everything you, tastes the same. Maybe if you need to clean. If you need to clean your palate, and you yeah. should, you know, after if you're changing, especially changing styles. Yeah, that's great. So it's uh, so yeah. that's well, that's that's my way. The uh, you know, blonde or sometimes a golden. Yeah, would be the first taste. But I think we kind of went through that same process. But where did you land, Phil? When you well, I'm an IPA guys, and so I always like to try. You know, there's the classic IPAs that I've grown to love. But I always, when I'm at a tap room like yours, where you have so many selections. I always try to find something I've never had, and I don't remember the name of it, so I'll have to um, yeah. I'll have to go back and hopefully it's still on tap. But I think I had the Hellbent Dang Citra. Oh, that's IPA, a nice beer. And that was a good beer. Yeah, really good and beer. those guys are from our the neighborhood, <laughs> yeah. so they live they're on the same street. On like yeah, the yeah, they're way. just down the way. So yeah, I always like to always try to represent not only them but other local uh, breweries. Of you know, definitely make it a a point and want to continue to always uh, do a great job representing the Seattle-based breweries. So. Yeah. So just to put some context to this, someone shows up, you have these small little, are they one-ounce glasses? Yeah, so yeah, the, the glass, yeah, it looks like a little thimble. Yeah. They're kind of cute. A lot of people say they're cute and they want to buy them from us, these little teeny <laughs> glasses. And uh, yeah, if, if that's filled about halfway, it's a, you know, it's a one-ounce sample. And that's a, that's enough to, to, taste, yeah. to taste it. And it... Uh, yeah, so that's, that's that's usually what we well not usually it's what we do our samples with. Yeah, and you were saying before we started recording that sometimes people come in, it's busy, they just want to get their beer, but you kind of almost not that you force them to taste things, but you're you're pushing people to encourage and try new things at all times, right? Yeah, that's that's important to us. Yeah, yeah. If someone walks in with a couple of growlers, you can see it in their eyes. They're like, "I'm going to a party. I need these filled." We kind of try to make contact with them because that person maybe has been in. A lot of times they come in with our growlers, by the way. Mm-hmm. So we see them. We're like, "What do you need?" You know, we so we try to work them through quickly while somebody else might be taking five minutes to decide what they want to drink, which is great. That five that person getting their first or second growler guy experience. It's that's what we live for. But and a lot of times, uh, you know, our beer rotates so quickly that. If you come in a week later and you're looking for that spiced Bach that was so great, it's not going to be there, mm. more than likely. It'll be replaced with something else that's very interesting. But generally speaking, uh, uh, whatever beer you had a week before, about two-thirds of our beers will have rotated by then. That's great. So Cool. So Tyler and I, we're both dads. We re- we noticed that your establishment is kid friendly. Oh yeah, is thank you right? by the way. Yeah, like, uh, actually, as it was welcome. being built, my wife and I would drive by and be like, "I wonder if they allow kids." And of course, you told me that you do, and I did kind of a backflip in my head. It was fantastic. So, yeah, yeah. that was that was really important to me. Yeah, I have kids and grandkids. Okay, and uh, so um, and you know, I think when I was a kid, my 
parents would take me to Shakey's or something. And I, and I bet you, I don't really remember it, but I bet you there was a pitcher of beer on the table. Yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I just, but I just remember being at Shakey's and running around with my brother and, yeah. you know, taking, loosening the caps on the salt shaker so someone would dump an entire bottle of salt <laughs> on their food. You know, like just being a little mischievous. And uh, so uh, I remember the place being fun and watching the pizzas getting tossed, whatever. And, um, yeah, I think it was important for families. And, yeah. you know, the outside, uh, you know, Roland Terry and a lot of architects during this period designed it places that were made to be like an inside-out, outside-in kind mm. of place. Ying's never really did that and um, because people didn't really hang out there. They would mm. just get their food and leave. But the building itself really lends itself with a, we have a 360-degree wraparound covered patio where you can have a, a beer in your hand the whole time. So it lends itself to being the parents sitting inside and they're the rug rats running around outside a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, we even built a um, sandbox into our, the deck that we added and a little toy section, which you guys haven't seen yet because it's been cold, but you know, the... Uh, there's a little hidden toy compartment. I have a bunch of like kid-sized furniture. Awesome. And you know, I think it's a nice. It'll be nice for families and yeah. uh, and at the same time, um, not you know for people who are not crazy about having a lot of kids around. You know, I think there's enough space to where if I at least with me with my kids, I was always looking for like where am I supposed to go with my little kids. Right. You know, and it's just like it's kind of obvious this the one side of the building is just better laid out for it. And I think it'll so it'll kind of end up having people on two different sides. That's great. Totally. Well, we're always looking for places to take our kids that is fun for us too, right? And um, so we appreciate that. About yeah, we have seven taps of non-alcoholic uh, choices. Awesome. So great. Seven yeah. or eight at any given time. So there's always, there's always root beer, uh, cool. craft root beer, and then... Right now we have, for example, uh, orange cream soda. That's amazing. Oh, and, nice. then, uh, and then uh, kombucha, non-alcoholic kombucha cool. on tap. Cool. So uh, you also serve food. Uh, yeah. what's, what's the menu like? Uh, it's pizza, uh, pizza and wings, and it's a carefully sourced uh, pizza. We make all the pies every day in the back several times a day. So we prep and hand make all the, all the pizzas in the back and cook them in the front. And, um, and then we have wings, four different style of, uh, of wings. And, and then do you guys have food trucks as well? We do, food trucks. Yeah, yes. the, uh, we're getting on the schedule of some of Seattle's best food trucks right now. So there's, generally speaking, three to four days a week we'll have food truck. Usually, right now, Thursday, Thursday through Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we, in due time, we'll probably have food trucks there cool. every day. And uh, so take, for instance, my wife, is a, she's, she's a wine drinker. Uh, she mm-hmm. likes beer, but she likes wine, probably a little more. Do you guys have options of wine? Uh, we do. We serve wine by the glass and uh, also by the bottle. Oh, nice. and, and everything in the bottle shop is, by the way, all the beer and wine and barley wine. Uh, there's no corkage fee. Um, cool. So you can get, if the 60 taps uh, isn't satisfying you, which is impossible. You know, there's, <laughs> there's other great stuff in the bottle shop. I feel you like could, that's pretty unique. I don't know if I've heard of a bottle shop that allows that. Is that? Uh, yeah, other places uh, allow it. They okay. usually generally charge a corkage fee, but okay. I just, at least for now, I just, if there's something in there, and during the holidays especially, if there's something that people want, um, I just want them to be happy. You that's know? great. Awesome. Yeah. So one of the things as you're, aside from the architecture of the building, when you're standing on the site of, of your location, um, something that really stands out is this big tree stump in oh. front. 
Yeah. Is there, there's got to be a story behind that one. There's a story there. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was, when we were under construction, which was pretty stressful and expensive and, you know, there's a lot going on, I, I was, one of my missions was to find a big piece of driftwood. And there's people in the South Sound mostly who sell pieces of driftwood to us city slickers here in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I just couldn't bring myself to like pay, a, you know, over $1,000 for a piece of driftwood that, you know, you and I, we could just pick it up and carry it. Right. It wasn't giant. It was right. just a piece of driftwood yeah. that had character to it. Uh, but really, that the weird building and that giant planter, it needed something of scale mm. um, that was had enough presence in size and everything else that it kind of made its own statement. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was picking up uh, some plants with my uh, landscape uh, art, uh, designer, uh, Heidi Hauer. We were... We were uh, driving in Maltby, and and I had seen this one just giant, giant stump in this one field. And she kind of, when we were leaving with the plants, she like flashed her lights at me, and I pulled over. She says, "Are you just gonna let that stump stay there? I mean, you you have to ask about that stump." I said, "All right." So I went up, asked the guy, and went past these signs. Some of them that said, "You know, do not disturb, no trespassing, and etc." In Malpe, that's kind of dangerous. So at some point, I felt like it wasn't worth dying for, (laughs) you know. But then uh, the nicest guy answered the door, and I uh, just asked him if he was tired of mowing around that darn thing. And he said he was. He said, yeah, you can have it for free. Wow. Wow. It weighs 7,000 pounds. Wow. (laughs) It's been tipped over on its side. Uh, He's a thought for at least 40 years because it was there when he started, when he bought the place and was there when the previous owner bought the place. Wow. And so um, definitely has some character. And although he gave it to me for free, uh, it wasn't free to move it there. Yeah, I was, was going to say, what did that cost? It was uh, it cost a little bit, and it was <laughs> a little bit complicated. I had to personally dig a tunnel underneath it uh, so that they get the straps yeah. put it around it. And uh, so, yeah, I think there's going to be a, a stump naming contest. Yeah, that's a great idea. At some point. Yeah. So, uh, But, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, some people think, was that always there? You know, they're kind of like, they're not sure. You know? It kind of looks like it's always been there, but... Yeah, well, yeah it's, it's not that easy to get a stump. Uh, that's yeah. true. Moved. And did you have to... I, I noticed there's like some chainsaw marks in it. Did you cut it in any No, way, no or? cutting. It was okay. pretty much laying uh, on the same side. It was okay. looked just like that, except okay. it was... Uh, uh, about forty miles away, you know. <laughs> so it. we had okay. to get it in the truck and yeah. and lift it up and and then when they moved it, it was quite the you know it's a big crane mm-hmm. that moves a seven thousand pound piece stump without hurting anybody. Yeah, and you know that. Yeah, yep. cool. Um, well, sorry to jump jump uh, into a slightly different topic, but as a business owner, we also wanted to touch base on on kind of what it's like to be. Um, owning, running a business in Seattle. Um, so this is, is, correct me if I'm wrong, this is your first um, foray into owning a, an establishment, is that right? Uh, it is, yeah, my first hospitality business. Okay, and so. what have you learned? So some of the things that we talk to uh, with other small business owners on our podcast, you know, there's a $15 minimum wage, there's, you know, just the um, the the ins and outs of running a business, permitting all of that stuff in the city of Seattle. What's high that rent. been like? Yeah, yeah high yeah. rent. Um, lots of noise in terms of other companies that you're competing against. So what sort of what has your experience been with all of that? Uh, 
Well, first I'd say Seattle's uh, really friendly towards uh, towards small business. You okay. know, and I I think that's important to say because there's from the from um, just all the different departments from uh, you know um, you know planning, health department, uh, you know King County Health, and you know they they they're quite encouraging. So people, I think there's a natural inclination to think it would be just the opposite. Yeah. But at almost at every turn, whenever I'm like, oh, I'm not sure if I should ask about this or who to ask, it's been very, uh, 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 there's been, that people have been very helpful. That's great. And yeah, I think they, they truly want small business to succeed in this town. And there's times where I think that uh, people in the different city departments, they appreciate saving the old business and the old building. Mm-hmm. They are, I think there's a certain, there's times when I kind of feel like there's, uh, they, they value that, yeah. which is nice because yeah. took a long extra time and extra money to keep this place um, looking the way it is now. Um, but in, in the fifteen dollar uh, an hour minimum wage, yeah, that's uh, I mean that's real. Um, but you know, I supported it when I uh, you know with my vote, uh, and I and I still support it now. There's as, know, as a business owner paying it. Yeah, 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 yeah. as a business owner paying it. Yeah, and I think it's uh, I think it's important. You know, I'd feel bad if you know if you know, if people are making seven bucks an hour or something. I know a lot of states they make even less than that in cities. It's it's hard to imagine that. I mean, they still people still make tips, um, and um, but it's yeah. I think the living, you know, making a living wage is uh, is important. That's great. Yeah, I, people take their job I think a little more seriously too. Yeah. yeah. Actually. So I live in Northeast Seattle. Um, my wife and I actually moved there with intention of of seeing. Uh, future growth in Lake City area, uh, seeing what Wedgwood's doing. We're at, we're specifically in Wedgwood. Um, from some conversations I've had, and it's typically older generation uh, folks who are seeing their community kind of transform a little bit. Um, and and I've, I've even seen some campaigns of like, you know, stop envisioning Ballard, right? There's like a sticker going around that mm-hmm. says Lake City Way needs to remain Lake City Way, which I agree with. Like it, Lake City Way shouldn't be Ballard. It should be Lake City Way. Um, has there been any negative uh, feedback from Growler guys coming in, or what's what's the response been from the community? Um, it's been super positive. Great. I gotta say, it's. Uh, I mean, I knew people just because. Well, we were building this thing for seven months, and people stopped in all the time hmm. during construction, asked what it was going to be, when it was going to open. So I knew there was a lot of anticipation mm. um but uh but i've actually been you know it's been overwhelming how often people every single day you know probably 15 or 20 people will say something like i've been waiting for this to open i've been driving by we a lot of times they'll say you and i talked one day in front of the bus stop or something because uh, I'm kind of a social person, and uh, and it's been super positive. Um, so I have actually haven't heard any anything negative actually. Mm-hmm. And you know we've tried to m- maintain some of the style of Ying's drive-in. I mean, to their credit, um, there was you know they were there for over 45 years in yeah. the same location. As a business owner myself, it's like my yeah, my hats off to those guys. Mm-hmm. You know that that's a long that's a long run totally and. Uh, when you pay tribute to them too, right? As you go down the stairs to the bathrooms, you've kept the Ying sign down there, uh, which I think is a cool, cool tribute to who they are. 
Yeah, you yeah. bet. Well, there's yeah, there's that and some other things during the uh, when it warms up. We have some other little artifacts that will be cool. Pieces of decor they'll be coming out, but yeah, I haven't heard anything uh, uh, heard anything negative. And you know, we're yeah, we're, like you said, we're in actually technically in Wedgwood, mm-hmm. right? But it's like uh, most people wouldn't think we're in Wedgwood, mm-hmm. you know. And just across the street to the south is Ravenna. So literally across the street, one way is Ravenna. Across the st- on the other side, of Lake City Way is is Maple Leaf. Mm-hmm. We're in Wedgwood, but most people think we're in Lake City. Right. So it's kind of like a, uh, you know, that's uh, you know, that's kind of it is a, 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 a sort of a crossroads. Mm-hmm. Then you know that part of uh, of old Bothell Highway was technically sort of the gateway to the north end of the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's. Um, um, yeah, it's yeah. I think it's uh, yeah. I haven't heard any really negative backlash. There's a few people who, even now, occasionally will get will pull in and they start walking in before they realize it's not Yings. Oh man! Wow. Yeah, yeah they get and during construction, often people would stop and walk all the way up and go, Are "You guys serving?" And they just they've been going so long they weren't looking at the sign. They're used to pulling in and and just uh, doing their thing. Doing That's their great. thing, yeah. And so. Uh, so um, too funny. Yeah. So being from Maple Leaf, uh, or living in Maple Leaf, um, being a business owner in Northeast Seattle, what's your hope for the neighborhood, Lake City area? Um, what What do you hope to see? Um, well, there were always so few options um, for you know young families. Like you guys, well, I've got a few years on you. But the, uh, when I was, uh, you know, my kids were growing up, and my wife and I wanted to go out. There were really quite a, uh, limited options, and, and we used to just—it was simple enough. We'd just drive into town, you know, into Fremont or downtown or some Ballard or or Georgetown. But these days, you get trapped in your own neighborhood because of traffic and. Uh, Soccer games, football games, baseball, just general traffic, mm, right? Totally. You want to like, and so, so I guess uh, you know my hope for uh, for this area is that more places open up, and uh, you know, and um, you know some of uh, the neighbors and neighboring businesses, um, you know, I hope that by opening Growler Guys, it actually. Uh, more people will actually stay in the neighborhood mm-hmm. and, and enjoy uh, my place as well as others. That's great. So, yeah, yeah I think it's, yeah, we could definitely use some more restaurants. Uh, totally. A nice cocktail lounge or two. Yeah. A uh, place to dance or hear more live music. Yeah, that's true. In the area. You know, there's not much. There's there's some places, but just not too many. Totally. So one of the things that, I'll, I'll ask part two, one of the things we always like to ask our guests at the end of every episode is, um, what are your hopes for, for your area, for our city, uh, which Tyler just hit on and you hit on. But do you have any concerns going forward, of for whether it's for the city of Seattle or northeast Seattle in particular? Things that have you worried at night? Um, well, at, at, at one point I was quite worried that I was opening a place in a neighborhood that was just uh, kind of sketchy. Mm. Uh, and that partly was when we cleaned out those planters. There were a lot of, uh, um, you know, from past years and past decades, there were needles, there was junk, there were, you know, a little, there was, there was a lot of stuff in those planters and around there where you could tell people were hanging out at night 
at, after Ying's closed, I think. And uh, um, but surprising, first of all, surprisingly, we've had nothing s- stolen. Uh, the outside has been even during all the construction, and you know, it was really uh, I think uh, opening and maybe changing uh, Ying's into something mm-hmm. that was uh, really valuable to the community. I think the community kind of rallied around it mm-hmm. and um and it seems like it's been part of a general uh cleanup mm-hmm. in that in that area yeah. i know there's a bunch of neighbors who are working on 85th street and have done great things there's cities doing some new sidewalks and stuff yeah. in the area well, and even behind you the the mobile home park you know that's been announced that that's going to be moving um somewhere else and town right. homes are going to be developed there um any thoughts on that or well the uh of course those people have had uh you know it's it's uh, you know for people to be you know kind of forcibly pushed out i mean it's it's obviously has some uh um you know has those ramifications Mm -hmm. you know for those folks uh they were i think they were given a year and money to move and uh you know i've talked to some of those folks and the manager there you know as you know over the, uh, the, the the last few months and um yeah they had uh uh the rent that, that people were paying there was was really attractive i wish i could pay that yeah, right <laughs> I, my, yeah. my first thought was like wow that was a pretty good run yeah. <laughs> i was like i was like wow you guys you really had great rent and so you know things change you know and i think that that um overall will be a positive thing yeah. and um you know the uh and there's more apartments happening right on the other side mm-hmm. uh and so there's, you know, I think density is just, uh, you know, a fact of, of life in the new Seattle. And, mm-hmm. you know, the bus routes right in front of uh, the Growler guys are really super convenient. One mm-hmm. stop in your downtown. So if we want fewer cars on the road, the people, you can really live in those uh, apartments in that, that immediate area and have no car, have no car payments, no parking, and no maintenance, your vehicle and registration. Just hop on a bus and be downtown, or hop on a bus the other way, mm-hmm. be in Lake City. It's it's like, uh, in some ways, what I think, um, you know, the solution for Seattle is. Yeah, yeah it was interesting as we were sitting there. Um, uh, I, actually, I was with my wife, but we were sitting down, and I counted the number of buses, and it was like almost on the minute during rush hour that they were stopping outside of your your establishment, which I'm sure is fantastic because they get out, they had a long day, they come in to growler guys, grab a beer, like, it's nice. I think so. And, yeah. you know, and we're, you know, we're trying to keep things uh, pretty affordable. I mean, this yeah. is less, you know, this neighborhood is, you know, this isn't Queen Anne. Mm-hmm. It's not Ballard, you know, it's not, you know, there's, you know, although Ballard was never really a fancy area for until long, you know, until like, I suppose recently, but the... Uh, the hipsters moved in. Maybe, Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, we got a lot of you know, people, uh, you know, uh, so we the prices both on our beer and our bottle shop and the food, you know, we, we're purposefully, I think, uh, you know, keeping things affordable and want to keep it that way. And that's, that's again, that's a, that's a casual place, you know, that's that we want right. families and neighborhoods, uh, you, know, you know, the people in the community to really like. And totally. That's one of the things that's most satisfying is there's been times when we've been very busy and I've like, oh gee, I wonder if you know. I go outside to check the parking lot. Go, I wonder if my parking lot is just packed. I go out there and it's like, it's half full, and that's because a lot of people are walking there. Yeah. And instead of getting back in their car after drinking a beer or two, they're just walking home, and or they take the took their dog on a walk and then stop in. And yeah. uh, 
So, um, and maybe, uh, and lucky for me, instead of having just a beer, maybe they'll have, you know, two or three yeah. beers and hang out a while. And sometimes I'm, I can tell it's their first time there and they get on their phone and they call a neighbor or somebody. And, and then, then it's, it really is a community totally. place first. That's totally. great. And, well, Kelly, we definitely feel uh, it is a great addition to Northeast Seattle. Yeah. As someone who lives in Northeast Seattle, I, I was ecstatic when you agreed to come on. Um, so thank you for the work you're doing. Um, we fully support it. Um, where, if someone wants to go uh, to find out more about Growler Guys, to maybe follow along with the story, where can they go uh, for that information? Uh, go to growlerguys.com. And within that, there's a Seattle uh, page. Just click on the Seattle page. Perfect. And then... Um, and the tap list that's there, first of all, is accurate within 60 seconds when we change oh, a keg. Wow. So it tells you what beers we have, uh, cool. which is which is kind of handy. And yeah. uh, and then uh, our links to our Facebook page and uh, other social media accounts are on there. Excellent. And we'll have all those linked up in our show notes yep. on our website. Um, Growler Guys is a larger brand, but you are a local owner here in the yep. city, invested in your community. And that's what I think really attracted us to you and to want to talk to you. So thank you so much for being on and for, um, for bringing growler guys to Northeast Seattle. Well, thanks. Well, you guys uh, come in soon and, uh, we'll have a beer, try, have a beer or a cider. (laughs) I will take you up on that. That is not hard work at all. Maybe, you know, in between. All right. Perfect. Sounds good. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Rise Seattle was produced and recorded by the very talented Brett Baird. Special thanks to Bravery Music for our intro and outro music. You can contact us and find all the show notes and episodes on our website, riseseattlepodcast.com. You can connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at TheRiseSeattle and use the hashtag RiseSeattle. You can subscribe to our podcast and write us a very nice five-star review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in two weeks for our next episode.